change around my team. Yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up. Welcome to Podskewee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Oh my god, Mike. We take a month and a half off, two months off, and now two shows in two weeks? Are we on a streak here? Are we on a bit of a heater? Well, the things are, as JR likes to say, or used to like to say, uh, business is about to pick up. So, uh, you know, things are happening and uh, we need to talk about it. Now, before we get to the business of the CFL, we have some things we got to talk about off the top here. First and foremost, I have to cry on your shoulder about my beloved San Francisco 49ers, unfortunately, coming up short in last Sunday's Super Bowl. I mean, it was a heck of a game. I'm not going to complain about the entertainment value of the game. I thought it was a well-played game. I thought both teams, you could easily, I, I thought going in, it was it was a pick em. I was hoping, obviously, for my boys to come out on top. They did not, the Kansas City Chiefs win their first Super Bowl in 50 years. And being the partial fan to the Niners that I am, I'm upset. But at the same time, like we talked about uh, even last week, and of course we talked about before we hit record, there's there's a lot of guys in the Chiefs that you're like, oh, you know, it's kind of nice to see them win a championship. Uh, I, I think the Niners are, are a decent team. I think they're built for some long-term success. I think this will not be the last Super Bowl I see them play in in this current era. And in fact, I think that it's entirely possible that we could see these two teams match up in the Super Bowl once again. So what did you think as an impartial observer who watched the Super Bowl? What did you think of the game? I enjoyed it. Um, it was a lot more exciting than the, the previous Super Bowl between the Rams and the Patriots. Oh, um, it was such a bore. Unless you're a big fan of defensive football. Yeah, you're right. It was it was a pretty big bore. Um, not much going on in that game, but I enjoyed watching it. Um, I thought the Niners had it there about seven minutes left when um, – Mahomes threw that interception, but uh, the Chiefs do what the Chiefs do, and they just kind of turned it on. And unfortunately for all the 49er fans out there, it's uh, it's a tough loss. But like you said, I think I think this team is the 49ers are built for for a good run here, and uh, we could see them back soon. From one football league to another, the XFL Mike will start up this Saturday, and we just got word that all the games will be on TSN. So. Already a step ahead of the television game than the uh, the now defunct AAF of last spring is. Uh, how much XFL do you plan on watching? Well, you know, if uh, I'll watch as much as I can if if I'm uh, not working. I don't think I'll be, you know, PVRing games, and I, I don't think I'll be that into it. But uh, you know, football is football, and I can't really get enough football, so. Yeah, it's going to be, I think it'll be interesting. The curiosity factor is there for me. Um, you know, there's been a lot of failed leagues over the years. I'm, I'm not sure that this is going to be successful. Uh, I, I kind of got duped with the AAF. I thought that might work out, and obviously it did not. So, uh, 
you know, it's just a wait and see kind of thing. How good is the football going to be, and all that? So I, I'm going to watch, but um, I'm not sure how long it's going to last. Yeah, I think, I, I, think it'll be, I think it'll be two years, like for sure. Yeah, you think because two years? I, I don't think I don't think Vince McMahon, no matter how much money he loses in the first year, his ego is so big that I don't think he will fold after the first. Yeah, that sounds reasonable when you think about you think about Vince McMahon. I. I feel like there is a curiosity. They're changing some things. Uh, the the big one to me is the kickoff rule, which seems kind of interesting in how they're doing that. Um, the like one, two, and three point converts. Like there's enough nuances and, and new ideas that I think the curiosity factor will be there. But much like the previous iteration of the XFL, much like the World League of American Football and NFL Europe and the Alliance of American Football and all – Every other essentially non-USFL spring football venture, I think the USFL would have succeeded, probably eventually been like amalgamized with the NFL. But I think if they didn't try to go after it, like they were a spring league and then, you know, Donald Trump gets involved and it's like, let's go head to head with the NFL. And then it, it falls on its face. I feel like this one has enough intrigue that it can it can sustain some interest. But at the end of the day, if the football is no good... It's not going to matter. But the one thing that they have this version, XFL 2.0, if you will, has up over the last one is they took their time. It was 28, like April of 2018 when this was announced that they were going to do the XFL again. It's almost two years. Last time it was like they announced it in October and they were up and running in February. So they took their time. There's some real football people involved here. Uh Oliver Luck is Andrew Luck's dad and former NFL players, the commissioner. You got real knowledgeable football people running these teams. I, I don't think this will be a smashing success. I don't think in 10, 15, 20 years time, we're going to sit here and say the XFL has overtaken the NFL or, or anything silly like that. But I think as long as the, the product on the field is good, I think people – We'll tune in. Now, the one thing you got to wonder about is everyone always says that that football fever really ratchets up. Like the Super Bowl happens and everyone's like, man, I could really do for more football. And then yet these spring leagues come out and never succeed. And a lot of that is due to, to poor play, of course. But I sometimes think of because I don't know about you, but like after after last week's Super Bowl, I'm kind of like, OK, it's nice to get a break from football. Now, obviously, I'll I'll watch it if it's on and I'm not doing anything. But like you, I don't think I'm going to be like super invested like i'm not gonna have a team or anything but like with mark trustman coaching and june jones coaching and there being some ex high cats players and some ex cfl players in this league like i'm interested to see it but i think it's success or failure will be completely determined with how good the product in the field is yeah absolutely and i think uh, another advantage of uh this time around with the xfl is their tv contract is uh, i think they mm-hmm. have games on espn and multiple networks so I think before the first XFL, um, you know, like SportsCenter and all those, uh, you know, networks kind of ignored the XFL. Now yeah. with them on ESPN, they're going to be talking about it. So, And it's on Fox as well, so the Fox Sports 1 guys will be talking about it. So that's an advantage that they have compared to the first one. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of uh, kind of all works out. Vince is uh, not known as a guy who likes to fail and to, to do this a second time. I don't know. feels like he's, he's going to do everything he can to make it a success. Uh, but let's move on and talk about the CFL. That's why we're really here. 
a lot of Thai Cats news to talk about, Mike. Uh, the the old Podski curse hit us again last week within minutes after our show. Maybe it was a day later. I can't really remember uh, the exact time frame. But as soon as we, we record a show talking about players signing, what happens? More players signed. Jamal Roll was the first name of this triad that uh, inked new deals with the Ticats. He signs a two-year deal. Mike Filer comes back. Uh, no terms were disclosed. I'm un- I believe that me- means it's more than likely a one-year deal. And the most recent guy back, Rico Murray, Agent Zero himself, also signed a new deal with the Ticats. Te- uh, no, no terms were announced there either. So again, I'm left to assume it's a one-year contract. But uh, I don't know. These are some uh, these are pretty big signings. Let's let's talk about Jamal Roll. He's a guy who filled in last year, played some starting minutes. He was a starter his rookie season, and then Frankie Williams beat him out for the uh, field side corner position. And yet Jamal Roll led the team in interceptions with five. So I mean, a pretty good guy to have as as your sixth man there. But with the potential, as we I, I don't know if you saw it just before we we started. Frankie Williams had a workout with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The chances we could see Frankie Williams head elsewhere, not not too bad to get Jamal Roll inked to a new two-year deal. And there's a guy who can uh, we know can fill in and, and play some starting minutes out in the secondary. Yeah, for sure he's a good insurance policy if, if Frankie does go down south. Uh, yeah, he had a really good year last year. You mentioned the five interceptions, and uh, you know all three of these signings I'm really happy with. And, and Jamal Roll is uh, is a great um, addition to this team. So now we you look at you look at the secondary now. We know Delvin Bro's locked up for another year. We got Tunde Adelike back. You got Jamal Roll there. Uh is Carrie Brooks still signed for one year? I can't remember if I saw him on the free agent list. I'm poor research on my part, Mike. But uh, I know Richard Leonard is a free agent, so I mean you got at least I'm you know, I gotta look this up because it's gonna bug me. Um you got at least three fifths of the of the starting secondary back from a year ago. So you, you, you know what? I'm pretty sure Brooks is, is not a free agent, but let's, let's find out. I got the list right here. Uh, he's not. So you got four fifths. If you, if you want to slot in role as a starter there of the defensive secondary coming back a unit, much like the offensive line where you feel as if continuity is one of the biggest uh, key contributing factors in them being so successful and you have the return of Mark Washington, who did a heck of a job coordinating this defense last year. So you, you get a guy like Rollback, who maybe is, it's an under-the-radar signing, but one that could pay huge dividends later in the season. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's great to have most of those guys back. Uh, if we get Frankie back, then that will be um, the icing on the cake because that secondary was, was pretty darn good last year. And uh, it, it's exciting to get these guys back. Uh, Mike Filer coming back surprised me a little bit. I f- wondered after signing a one-year deal last year if maybe the team was ready to move on from him. They drafted a potential replacement in Jesse Gibbon in the first round of the draft last year, but they bring him back, uh, like I said, likely on a one-year deal, uh, which means four-fifths of the offensive line will definitely be returning this season. The, the one holdout is a guy we're more than likely going to talk about later in Riker Matthews. But I think Mike Filer is one of the more underrated players in the offensive line. I think uh, to never have a divisional all-star nomination for for Mike Filer over his career, I think, is a bit of a travesty. Maybe he's not the best center in the CFL, but uh, he's certainly proven to be more than a a replacement-level starter. And and to think this guy has become such a fan favorite in Hamilton after replacing a guy who, in Marwan Hage, who was a fan favorite before him, 
he, he's had a pretty darn good career, and, and we know he's going to be back for another year snapping the ball to our quarterback. So I, I think I like this deal as well, just as much as you do probably. Yeah, Father was on my list of guys that I wanted to bring back when I, I uh, made it for this podcast. So I had to take him out of the list, which makes me happy because I'm a big Mike Father fan. He, he came into camp last year really determined to have a bounce, bounce back season. You know, the, we talked about it before that the coaching staff, you know, asked him to lose a little bit, a little bit of weight, and work on his technique and all that. And uh, he did that to perfection last year. And still a relatively young guy. Uh, he was born in 1990, so that makes him around 30 years old. Offensive lineman can play, you know, close to 40 years old in this league. So uh, I'm really happy that uh, you know Mike Fowler's back. I think he's uh, a leader on the offensive line as well. You know, with all his other attributes. The last one, the Rico Murray signing might be my favorite. I was so happy when he came back last year after a couple of years away. I thought he played excellently as the team's Sam linebacker. I thought we didn't miss a beat replacing Murray uh, for Don Unamba. I thought that the Ticats linebacking core as a whole was maybe not better than the Lawrence Dean Unamba trio, but I... I'm just a big fan of Rico Murray, quite frankly. So I was just very happy to see this deal done. Means we go into the season with a proven Sam linebacker, a guy who, if need be, like say we lose a guy like Richard Leonard uh, to another team or, or, or what have you, Rico can slide back there in the secondary. Very versatile weapon for the Ticats to have on defense. I think this is a, a really, really good signing for the team. Yeah, I agree. He's a, he's a great cover guy in that linebacker position. Um, you mentioned Don Unamba. He was great, and I thought that Rico Murray stepped in and did a tremendous job in filling that spot. So glad to have him back as well. Oh, he got the pick six that put the 60-burger on the Argos too, so he'll always be a fan yeah. favorite around these parts. Absolutely. Uh, that's it for the signings, but the Ticats did earlier today, as we record this on Thursday, uh, announce their full coaching staff for the 2020 season, and – there's really only one change. Some guy, I, I believe Craig Butler went from like special teams assistant to DB's coach and special teams assistant. Some people got moved around a little bit, got some promotions. But the only real change is they brought back former Ticats offensive coordinator Mike Gibson as the team's offensive line coach, replacing Dennis McKnight, who, as we all know, left the Ticats to go join June Jones in the XFL with the Houston – is he Houston Roughnecks? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, so he Dennis McKnight, who did a great job with the offensive line, is is down in the XFL, and they bring in Mike Gibson, a, a very well-traveled coach in both the CFL and the NCAA, bring him back to Hamilton after, uh, I believe he was with Edmonton the last few years as their offensive line coach, and mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, Edmonton's had a pretty decent offensive line with Gibson's there, so... I mean, everything else we kind of knew. Steinhauer's back as as the head coach. We know the coordinators are coming back. All the other position coaches essentially stay the same. But Gibson in as O-line coach. Mike, what do you think? I like it a lot. Uh, Edmonton last year led the league in not allowing um, sacks. Uh, It was a very low number. I can't remember the exact um, number of sacks. But, um, you know, he's he's a proven guy. Uh, Dennis McKnight did a great job last year. As well with the Ticats, um, that offensive line was was very strong for our squad. But uh, since we lost him, um, I'm really happy with Mike Gibson coming in. Are these coaching staff announcements to you a little weird in a way? Like, don't you just – you don't see this in any really any other sport or any other even league. Like, you don't see – 
you'll see guys like, oh, like, for instance, to, to use the NFL as an example, and, and I'll use uh, the 49ers because they just went through a couple of their guys looking at head coaching jobs. They'll say, like, oh, the defensive coordinator's coming. Like, like when we heard the, the news trickle out, oh, Jeff Reinbold's coming back, Tommy Condell, Mark Washington's coming back. Like, that makes sense. But to do these kind of, like, mass announcements, it's it's kind of an only in the CFL thing. I don't hate it. It gives us something to talk about in, in the early parts of, uh, of February and, and in sort of the – the, the pre-free agency thing, but it's just kind of weird that they, that every team kind of does this. And maybe, maybe that leads to some, a little bit more knowledge for the fans. They know exactly who's kind of on the coaching staff. Like how often do you hear people talk about like the receivers coach or like the offensive consultants or stuff like that? You know what I mean? So it's, it's a weird kind of CFL thing, but I think it's one of those weird CFL things that I kind of like. Yeah, I like it too. I think, I believe they should, they could do more in releasing information, you know, um, about length of contract with the players and all that stuff. They that's one thing they do well with releasing all the you know the whole coaching staff. But they they need to do a little bit more work with um, releasing more information about the teams. Yeah, kind of piggybacking on that. Just kind of in the last week, honestly, I've kind of turned the page on not needing to know salary information. It's less that I'm curious what these guys make. And more the ability, because we're going to talk about maybe guys the Thai Cats should try to bring back or guys the Thai Cats should bring in and stuff like that. And it's really hard to kind of make these sort of prognostications or even to talk about this with any sort of like authority when mm-hmm. we can say like, hey, the Thai Cats should go out and sign Solomon Elamimian to be the team's new middle linebacker. What does Solomon Elamimian want contract wise? Do the, can the tie, especially because it's it's a cap in, in, a, in a league that doesn't have a salary cap, it doesn't matter who what what guys make because mm-hmm. you it, there's there's no limit on what teams can spend. But in an era of it feels like we're gonna talk about guys and, and fans. Talk, well, why didn't the, the my why didn't my favorite team go out and sign this guy? Well, they couldn't. They were up against the cap, but we don't know that. It's it, again, I understand the privacy issue of like knowing what someone else makes at their job is really no one's business. But man, would it really be helpful for us to be able to sort of talk about this with any sort of, like I said, authority if we kind of knew like what the teams – and this is not just Ticats, but the teams all around the CFL – sort of what their salary cap situation was actually like. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't – really care about how much the players make but it would it wouldn't be something to add to the conversation for the you know guys who do podcasts like this um it would add to the you know we'd have more knowledge about the roster which would be nice so you know maybe one day when um you know the teams aren't embarrassed about the salaries they'll be able to release them but i got you know what i've heard that 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 you know some players would be embarrassed by how little they make but it's they're playing professional sports and I feel like all of us, no matter what we make would give, especially us that talk podcasts, you know, sportscasters, broadcasters, anyone who's around sports would give our pinky finger to be able to play one season of professional Mm -hmm. sports. Just as you know what I mean? So it's like the idea that it would be embarrassing to find out what these, like we know what the minimum salary is. And so many of these, these numbers trickle, especially the big money deals, they trickle out anyway. Like we know, for instance, we're going to talk about in a second, Nick Arbuckle signing with the Red Blacks. 
we got information on how much he signed for. We know what Cody Fajardo signed for. We know what Jeremiah Mazzoli signed for. We know what Dane Evans has signed. Like, we found out what McLeod Bethel-Thompson re-signed for. And to re- like, we end up finding a lot of these numbers anyway. It just feels like, at this point, with with especially with the commissioner coming out and saying we want to be more open with the fans, we want to be more open with the media, we want to sort of not let like the whole bidding process on the Grey Cup. We don't want these things to happen behind closed doors. We don't want backroom deals and handshake deals and blah 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 blah. It just feels like we're we're at the point now where the only reason that we're not getting this information is because we've never had it before. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the idea of like why change when there's no reason to. And I I think with the sort of explosion of social media and people think think 15 years ago would anyone have been talking about the CFL and even with free agency about to open does anyone talk about it did anyone talk about it in 2005 in February was the CFL something that that would have been talked about on any sports channel or any there be, there were no podcasts at the time the uh, sites like 3 down nation didn't exist like now you're getting CFL information 24/7 365 i think with sort of the explosion of that and 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 the moving forward of sort of the media on the cfl it seems like it's time for the cfl to kind of change the way they do business a little bit yeah i'd have to agree with that i think that you know the hardcore fans like us know the salaries basically you know we know what a top end receiver is going to get you know ballpark wise um we know that the minimum salary is sixty five thousand now um which is a big improvement compared to fifty thousand, which it was a couple years ago um but maybe the the uh, average fan, you know, the CFO hater people, if they knew the actual um, salaries of some of these guys, they might get give fuel to the fire to them. Um, I'm not concerned about them, but I'm just saying maybe that's a factor. I don't know uh, to make the league even look more bush league than people perceive it. Yeah, Alrighty. maybe. But like we just talked about the XFL, their guys aren't making very much money. Like true, you know, do like, they release? Uh, do they I, release these I'm dollars? Not, I'm not sure. I think everyone makes the same, and I think except for quarterbacks. I think quarterbacks make. I think they did at one point release like what their salary structure would be, but again, yes. I'm not following the XFL like we follow the CFL, so I it's not something that I've had remembered. Um, but I'm pretty sure I saw some, maybe maybe it wasn't official, but it was something. I'm pretty sure I saw numbers, contract numbers or, or salary numbers released at some point over the last like six to eight months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, I, people are going to think that people are going to think the XFL is bush league too. So I guess I guess that doesn't really change your point. Exactly. It's it's NFL or nothing for some people. Um, it would make it would make things a lot more interesting if we knew, say, um, Frankie Williams gets a hundred whatever thousand. You know, if we just knew the numbers and how much cap space there were, it would it would give us a lot more to talk about. So, you know, they they started releasing the. Uh, uh, God, I have a brain fart here. The um, negotiation lists, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a step forward, even though I don't really care. You know, particularly <laughs> care about it. But, um, you know, it's more information. So maybe as we go along here, um, they'll make improvements and we will get more information. We need to know stuff like um, injury lists. We need to need, need to know that earlier before the games because the CFL needs to grasp onto this fantasy football stuff and maybe – you know, I know the XFL is coming in hard with the gambling, um, embracing gambling. Maybe the CFL needs to do a little bit more of that as well. I agree. Uh, I just – I got a friend at work who is big into sort of sports gambling, and uh, 
he actually just went and cashed like two thousand dollars in in tickets over in Buffalo. Uh, he he made some some bets before the NFL season. And he cashed in on some of those. I think gambling, single game betting. He said that it, it, there's a there's an MP for the NDP who wants to get it in Canada. I think something like that could really help the CFL. And I know people are like, oh, it's you know gambling's bad, but it's everything's bad if you do it too much. I think mm-hmm. the reason the NFL is as big as it is, quite frankly, is two factors, gambling and fantasy football. And I think because of those two things, the NFL is the king of the mountain. And if the CFL could somehow get in on that in a meaningful way and not the lame fantasy that they do on TSN, which is like fantasy and name only, if you're playing fantasy football – you want to play head-to-head. You don't want to play total point nonsense with 65 other people. No, that's not fantasy football. That's 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 playground bullshit, quite frankly. You want to play head-to-head league matchups like we did when we did that, when we did the fantasy football on the podcast, when you, mm-hmm. you set up that league for a couple of years with that website that unfortunately I think has, has gone under. But we did head-to-head fantasy football, and that's how fantasy football is meant to be played. Um, so if, if the CFL can sort of embrace that and then – somehow find a way if we get you know single game sports betting up here in canada and they can they can embrace that as well i think you could see some some people start to get interested in it because my my friend that i'm telling you about he's like oh man we should now that they've opened one in buffalo uh it's so much easier for us to get there we didn't we don't have to go to like atlantic city or take a trip to vegas it's like right across the border at the seneca casino in niagara falls it's literally like two seconds once you get across the, the the bridge there we're going to go over and we're going to play some, we're going to have some fun and play some bets. And I'm like, you know what, if you, we get over there in May and there's some CFL things to bet on, I'm putting money down because those, those handicappers down South, they don't know Jack squad about the CFL. Like, do you remember when the Johnny Manziel props came out and it was like, he's going to be MOP. And it's like, I'll take that to the bank that he won't be. Right. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. If, if, if sports books down there are going to take some CFL action, I think I'm going to make a pretty penny, but it'd be nice if we could get that up here as well, because I do think that gambling and fantasy sports are, are two things that could really, and of course, that also comes with what you said, being more open, injury lists, not being so secret, stuff like that, because I think that that hurts p- people's ability to play fantasy sports if you don't know going into the game whether a guy's going to play or not. Yeah, and it just gives people more incentive to watch the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have an NFL team, right, you, you, the 49ers, for example, yep. they're your favorite team. But if you have a fantasy team, you're going to be watching all the games on Sunday. Absolutely, if you're betting on I games, do. you're going to – yeah, exactly. So, And this pro-line garbage, I played pro-line before. It's hard to win on pro-line because you have to bet like two or three bets at a time. It's parlay for everything. So mm-hmm. uh, I think single-game betting would be uh, more beneficial to the bettors. You know, I'm sure the government makes a lot of money off the pro-line, but um, it would be easier – for just for people to make money off betting if it was single game betting. So uh, I think it'd be, it would raise the interest in the CFL quite a bit. The government's offer, the government's run the casinos here anyway. All of the casinos in, in Ontario are run by the OLG, which is run by the provincial government. You put single game sports betting in those casinos, man, they're just going to make more money. Like it might yeah. cut into the pro line profits, but you're going to make way more money on single game betting than I think you'll ever make on pro line. Yeah, I don't understand this, you know, there's so much hesitation to make it legal here and in the States. I'm not sure if it's, it's not legal in the States, is it? Uh, it's, for, like, okay, they, they, they have recently opened it up 
like I, I don't know if it was if it was a federal because it used to be like in certain you could have it in certain places in the U.S. But now it's just like make it legal everywhere if you want to open up a sports book. And that's what's happening in New York, New York State. That's why the, like the Seneca Casino just opened their sports book at the end of December last year. So it's it's coming everywhere. And there's a lot of things wrong with the United States and a lot of things where they baby their citizens and a lot of things where they give them maybe, you know, in some instances, you know, guns, too much freedom. But up here, it seems like it's a fight for everything for crying out loud. And it's like something as simple as this just – I don't know, man. It just feels like it's the government trying to like moralize our vices where it's like these ones that we are okay with are okay, but these ones that we aren't, aren't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we've kind, like, kind, we've know, kind of gotten off the beaten path here, but yeah. So, and, and right. you know, sports betting, let's, let's, let's get it legal in Canada and then maybe we can watch the CFL take off from there. Yep. Uh, yep. I, uh, I totally agree. All right. Let's talk about some CFL news. And uh, a week ago, you and I sat here and discussed Nick Arbuckle's future and I think we might have both said, well, why does he wait to free agency and see what the Argos are offer? And then, what, like two days later, he signed a two-year deal to be the starting quarterback for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, obviously, Red Blacks fans are, are ecstatic about this, considering the state of their quarterbacking room a year ago. I am still hesitant, and I know some people will say it's because of my anti-Red Blacks bias, but it's whenever you get a backup quarterback – and he starts like he looked great when he played for Calgary last year, but that's a place he was for a couple of years, comfortable with the players, comfortable with the coaches. Now he goes to a new place. Now he's kind of got the bullseye on his back. He's he's the the, the new shiny toy. He's the guy. If things go sour early, like say they start uh, one and four, and he's not playing particularly well, he's going to take all the heat here. Uh, I think he can be a good quarterback, but I am going to put a pause on saying this was like a home run signing for Ottawa here. And this is the, this is the quarterback that will turn them around after a dismal 2019. Yeah. And he was playing for a uh, Calgary Stampeders franchise that, uh, you know, has been the best in the league for, for a long time now, a very well oiled machine. Um, you go to Ottawa and it, it's not exactly the same. Um, you know, a terrible year last year. They don't have the weapons around him. They probably don't have the the offensive line that Calgary did. Um, and you know, Arbuckle looked good, but we've seen a lot of quarterbacks look good in their first year and then, you know, drop off very quickly. So Casey Prentice, Jonathan Jennings, James right. Franklin. Uh, the list goes on and on. Yes. So I am with you. I am. I think I like what I saw from him last year, but I'm still hesitant to, hesitant to say that he is a bona fide starting quarterback in this league. And the thing too, and this, I, I, I hate to always make it about sort of the Jeremiah Mazzoli of it all, but now we've seen Nick Arbuckle sign for essentially what Jeremiah Mazzoli got here in Hamilton, which makes that deal look even better. We've seen Cody Fajardo. We got, we, got, we have the upper tier quarterbacks. You have Mitchell, Riley, and Harris, uh, who just signed uh, an extension with Edmonton himself till 2022. Those guys are making – and Harris probably took a pay cut and got some bonus money and this, that, and the other. But those guys are making the top-tier money. Then you have the sort of second tier, which is now Jeremiah Mazzoli, Nick Arbuckle, Zach Caleros, uh, Cody Fajardo, Vernon Adams. They're all kind of in that, that same pay scale, you know, same ballpark there pay scale-wise. Out of those guys, who's the one that you would put at the top of the list? And, I mean – it's it's Jeremiah Mazzoli by like a wide margin. 
Yeah, Mazzoli has the uh, track record. Um, he's played tremendously for the Tiger Cats the last couple of years. The only question mark would be coming back from that injury. But yep. yeah, if I, if I had to choose, I would definitely put Mazzoli at the top of that list. Yeah, and like, there's nothing like these, I'm all for players getting paid. They should all get as much money as they can possibly get. But it's entirely possible that some of these deals don't look so good come the end of the year when, I mean, does Zach Caleros play a full season? Was Cody Fajardo a flash in the pan? Can Nick Arbuckle reproduce what he did in Calgary uh, for, for a, a small sample size in Ottawa? I, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's, it's to see what teams are paying quarterbacks and to know what the Ticats have at quarterback. It really kind of makes me even more optimistic heading into this season. Yeah, I'm very, very comfortable with uh, Dane Evans and Jeremiah Mazzoli, whoever is number one and number two. It, it doesn't really matter. I think that these guys will run this offense effectively, whoever's in there. The Argos also dipped into the quarterbacking pool, re-signing McLeod Bethel-Thompson to a one-year deal. He is not making anywhere near as much as the guys we talked about just previously. Uh, but apparently they're also still looking to land Matt Nichols. So if let, let's work on the assumption that considering there are basically no starting jobs left other than a possible starting job in Toronto, that Matt Nichols does end up there. Who do you like to start the season as the starting quarterback, McLeod Bethel-Thompson or Matt Nichols for the Argos? It shouldn't be. Um, many people probably don't see it as a, a tough decision. Um, being Matt Nichols, he's been a starter for – for many years now in the league, and um, Cloud Bethel Thompson was on a team that was four and fourteen or something like that last year. But I think uh, Cloud Bethel Thompson is a better quarterback than what people perceive him to be. Uh, you know, the, the offensive line for the Argonauts was terrible. Um, you know, they had decent receivers, but you know they had Jacques Chapdelaine, who I've never been a big fan of running that offense. I think that uh, Thompson has potential to be a very good starting quarterback in this league you know he put up numbers last year that were close to the top of the league even though he didn't really have that much help on the offense so um i think it will be Nichols, but uh i think they have a very good backup with uh thompson wow you, that might be the nicest thing anyone has ever said about mcleod bethel thompson i mm -hmm. think much like james franklin who's now a free agent i think i feel like these two guys uh, Thompson and, and Franklin I'm talking about. We'll talk, I'll talk about Matt Nichols in a second. I mean, they've just been thrown into a fire of a really bad couple of Argos teams. Like, after that 2017 Grey Cup, the 2018-2019 Argos teams were just awful. Like, there was nothing there. Like you, you mentioned, they had, they had decent receivers, but the defense was a sieve. The offensive line couldn't block anybody. It's it's hard to judge quarterback play when they're always playing from behind. Like I think I saw a stat where McLeod Bethel Thompson, like fifty five percent of his pass attempts came with the Argos trailing in the second half. Like it's some it was some ludicrous stat. I don't remember the exact number, so I won't I won't try to get into it here. But I think he can be a a a an okay quarterback. Uh, I think Matt Nichols is a better than okay quarterback. I don't know if I'm sold on what the Argos have at quarterback, but I guess it also depends on what they're able to, to put around them. Like, I don't think either of these guys, like I don't look at any, both of these guys as being guys that, that can, if, if McLeod Bethel Thompson or Matt Nichols is your best player, 
you're not going to win very many football games, if that makes sense. I saw an interesting um, opinion the other day. Do you believe if Matt Nichols was the quarterback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers throughout the whole season, they would have won a great cup? Hmm. Because I think they, I think they would have. Because it's not like Zach Claros put up, you know, crazy numbers. He did, he did what he had to do, and uh, Strebler came in and, and was part of that offense as well. I think if uh, Matt Nichols and Chris Strebler are the guys last year, I think they probably would have won the Great Cup. Yeah. I mean, I think it would have made for a much no, more interesting okay. Great Cup matchup. But I mean, that defense in Winnipeg was so good that. Yeah. I yeah I, you might be right you might be right that even with Nichols there they they still they still win the whole damn thing yeah so it's it's gonna be a you know the Argos are signing some guys in free agency well before free agency in that tampering window um, I think they've made some good signings and uh, you know we'll see the, the Nichols is probably gonna land there and uh, you know it's better than uh, what they had last year so maybe the Argos are are improved uh, yeah this- I mean. Everyone feels like they're improved in February, right? And then when games start, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, like last year at this time we were probably talking about, oh I know the Red Blacks might lose some guys, but they're they're I said it myself, I'm I'm done counting out the Red Blacks, and then one three and fifteen year later, and it's like, oh yeah, they sucked. Right. So fingers crossed the Argos suck again, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, speaking of Bombers quarterbacks. Raise your hand out there if you thought Chris Strebler would be the quarterback from the last few years from the CFL to sign in the NFL. I see no hands in the air. Um, he signed with the Arizona Cardinals. This is, I mean, if you follow the NFL, you know exactly what Chris Strebler's role is going to be with Arizona. They're going to use him in the same way that the New Orleans Saints use their backup quarterback, Taysom Hill. Played some special teams, played some spot duty in there, played some tight end. Like They used him as more of an offensive weapon who could throw the ball. So I, I'm assuming that that is what Arizona sees in Strebler. But, man, considering what we saw of him at the quarterback position, how wild is it that he lands an NFL job and guys like Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell couldn't? It's very interesting, isn't it? Um, like you said, he's going to be like a utility-type player. Um, but if he is a backup quarterback, and who knows, maybe he gets cut in training camp. We don't know. But if he's a backup quarterback and he gets thrust into action, uh, ugh, I don't know. Yeah. I just His um, passing capabilities aren't the best, even though he threw two touchdown passes in the Grey Cup. Um, you know, he can throw the ball, but he's not a great passer, that's for sure. So it's going to be interesting to see if he makes a team, first of all, and if he does, how he is u- utilized. Because um, he's not a pocket passer. He's Tim Tebow. Yeah. Tim Tebow North. Now yeah. Tim Tebow South, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, Part two. I mean, I wish him success. I'll be interested to watch some Cardinals games this year. Uh, obviously, he has no. there's no threat to him getting the starting job. If you know anything about the Arizona Cardinals, they took a quarterback in Kyler Murray, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, first overall in the draft last year. So it's not like he's coming in to compete for a starting job, but he's going to come in as kind of a Swiss Army knife. I just think that people are quick to make the Taysom Hill comparisons, but Taysom Hill can actually throw the ball, and we have never really seen Chris Strebler be able to throw the ball with any sort of consistency. So, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Cardinals, come as a college guy, spread offense, air raid offense, obviously comes with some new ideas. A younger guy, I believe he's just 40-something years old. He might even be still in his late 30s. So, I mean, he's he obviously saw something in this kid, and we'll bring him down and maybe design some packages for him. So, I mean, it'll give us a reason to watch Arizona Cardinals games if Strebler makes the team, because otherwise, who gives a shit about the Cardinals? 
Yeah, that that is true. They've been uh, been punching bag in the NFL for many years. Besides a couple couple blips when uh, Kurt Warner was there and they went to the Super Bowl, but yeah, I'm you know if he doesn't make it down there, I'm sure he'll sign back with the Bombers because he's just such a perfect fit there. But uh, I wish him all the best. Uh, so I'm curious to get your take on this, Mike. There was uh, a lot of chatter the last week or so about players being cut that were due roster bonuses, and most of the bonuses were due on February 1st. Uh, some notable names, Tommy Campbell, Devere Posey, and Antonio Pipkin were cut by the Alouettes. Anthony Orange and Natea Jay were cut by Edmonton. And Ryan Bombin and Brandon Burks were cut by the Argos. And there seems to be like two camps to this. There's the camp that says, and there are some, there are some players, current and former players who are in this camp saying, this is unfair. Uh, we Why even put these bonuses in contracts? Uh, if we're, your team's never going to pay them. And then there's another camp that's like, okay, but these bonuses and when they're due coincide with just before free agency. So it allows, if teams want to keep a player, they know, especially if teams put out a, you know, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollar bonus to a player, the chances of him getting cut are are drastically reduced. And if they are cut before these bonuses are signed, it allows these players to kind of hit free agency before free agency even happens. Cause you gotta think like if these were due March first. Like I remember Johnny Manziel's contract was his bonus was due March first, which in the NFL makes sense because that's prior to when NFL free agency opened. But in the CFL, that's three weeks after. So if you don't want to pay, and I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was like a $75,000 roster bonus that he was due March first before his second season in the league, which obviously he never saw. Um, if a team didn't want to pay that, they could just cut him, and then by then teams have already allocated their money and they've signed free agents, and now they're looking at sort of cheap American rookies and, and all that other sorts of stuff. I'm kind of in this second camp where. It allows these players – yeah, it sucks that you're not going to get this bonus, but at least it allows these players. And in the case of, of guys like Tommy Campbell and the TAJ, they both signed. Both signed with the Argos, actually. Both signed new deals. It gives these guys a chance to know that they're not going to get cut. If, if you get cut in February, it's a lot better than getting cut in June is what is basically what I'm mm-hmm. saying here. So I'm curious. Where do, where do you fall on this? Are you – that it's unfair for the players or are you on the side where, no, this actually is, is a good thing for the players and it, and it can help them in some way? I'm kind of on the fence here. A lot mm-hmm. of people have been talking about loyalty, um, players to teams, teams to players. There's no loyalty in pro football. Um, you know, the teams do what's best for they feel is best for them, and the players do the same. Um, you know, it sucks that 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 players get cut like a day before they're supposed to get a you know forty fifty thousand dollar bonus. Um, but that's just the way it is. The teams look at that and they look at the salary cap and they make hard decisions. Um, people get really upset over this and um, it's just the way it is. It's it, football is a business and things have to be done. We're not, it's not T-ball, you know, they're not, you know, everybody gets a ribbon type thing. It's uh, professional football and that's just the way the game is played. And I think some people get confused with these bonuses and feel like it's, money owed to them from past seasons as opposed to what it really is, which is a down payment on the upcoming season. And that's the way I kind of look at it. Tommy Campbell, he's the name I got first on my list here, so we'll use him as an example. I think he had a $15,000 roster bonus due February 1st. That wasn't $15,000 that he earned from playing for the Alouettes last year. It was kind of a $15,000 
down payment for what he was going to do for the Alouettes in 2020. And based on his contract, and as we saw with Danny Machocha coming out saying the the Owls are kind of up at the top end of the cap, which should not surprise anyone. I think we talked about it last year when they were signing everyone and their grandmother. It's like, how are they still under the cap? And apparently they may have been under it, but not by much. Um, it's it's not it's not due it's not money owed to them for what they've done. It's money being given to them on the idea that they're going to continue to produce going forward. And I get a bonus at work and we get our bonuses in March. And if we don't meet certain targets, we don't earn our bonus. So it's this idea that, oh, people are counting on this money and all that. I understand that from a human aspect. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to get a $15,000 check. This is great. But it's a bonus. It's not your salary. So I, I've dealt with it with people at my workplace where it's like, what do you mean? We're like, we've, we've never not gotten our bonus, but there's times when it was pretty close. People are like, well, I have to get my bonus. I've, I've already spent this money. It's like, but it's a bonus. It's not guaranteed. And that's what mm-hmm. this bonus is too, right? Like this isn't money. It was money structured into the contract that goes, if we're going to keep you, we will pay you this down payment so that you, we know that we want to have you around. It's, it, I think it's, I understand straddling the fence because I understand there's a human side of it too. You hear these guys and you, you're, you think they're being, they're not getting the money that they're owed. And I understand that because you'd hate it if it happened to you. But like you said, man, this is the pro football business and, and teams have to make these types of decisions all the time. And as much as we may hate it as fans, especially if some of our favorite players get released uh, instead of playing for our favorite teams, I kind of do understand it from a business standpoint and from a managerial standpoint that if we can't, we don't think you're worth this money, why are you going to pay out a bonus to a guy to that you're, you don't plan on keeping around anyway. And again, this gives them a head start on free agency. All of these guys that were cut due to the roster bonus, they don't have to wait until this upcoming Tuesday to sign as Tommy Campbell and Natea J both already signed new contracts with new teams. So they, so now the art, now that's that, does that hurt Tommy Campbell's a corner? Does that hurt some of the other corners in the market going, okay, the Argos already spent money. There's a team that I can't go to. Like it, it helps some of these players to kind of hit free agency before free agency actually happens. Yeah. And I was, I was arguing with someone on Twitter, um, Oh, never do that. I know, right? It's pointless. But um, he was saying that the players are idiots for even, you know, agreeing to the bonus because they know they're not going to get it. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, but that's not true. Agree to that? It's like, why? You're like, no. I, you know, there's a chance that you won't get it, but there's also a chance that you will. So you're, they're not going to be like, no, I don't want that fifty thousand dollar bonus because they might not get it. That's just stupid. We only stupid hear talk. about the guys that don't get it. We don't hear yeah. about the guys that sign two and three year contracts that have roster bonuses due February first that don't get cut. We got a handful of guys here. I got uh, seven players written down here. There, there's probably some more that I didn't I didn't remember, but I got seven players down here who were released who were due roster bonuses. Do you think that they're the only seven players in the CFL that had roster bonuses due on February first? Of course not. I, again, I, I, I'm this is I'm just using names as an example here. But Simone Lawrence and Brandon Banks both signed two-year contracts with the Ticats last year. Do you think that they maybe had roster bonuses due February first that the team picked up in both cases? And knowing that, you know what I mean? Like we only yeah. know about the guys that don't get their bonuses. We don't hear about the hundreds that do. So the idea that these this bonus structure is if players are stupid for signing them. That's just nonsense. Yeah, and, you know, it's like these players get cut a day before the bonuses, but, you know, that's just a smart move by the team. Like, mm-hmm. we'd be talking about how idiotic the team was if they gave them the bonus and then cut them afterwards. So. Someone did that. 
Yeah, I was just going to say we talked about that in like uh, last year or the year before. Wasn't Bear uh, Woods given a roster bonus and then the Alouettes cut him like two days into training camp or something? Like they gave him a, like his bonus was due like the day before training camp and they gave it to him and then they cut him like two days later. I feel like that's the one that's the one that sticks out, but I could be wrong. But I do I do remember at one point we were talking about a player and they were given their roster bonus and then just released. And I think it was yeah. Bear I think it was Bear Woods. Yeah, and you know, if they did it before the bot roster bonus People would be like, "Oh, they're scum." Yeah. But if you do it afterwards, then you're like, an idiot. Oh, yeah. So you're, you're either a dirtbag or you're a moron. It's it's yeah. either uh, either the either or. It's never anything good for you. Yeah, exactly. So you know, people are hard to please. All right, let's talk about free agency, Mike. It's uh, it's a fun time of year because this is when we get to kind of put on our fantasy GM hats and kind of uh, discuss, especially when it comes to the tie cats, who we want to see still come back. Who, who could be a free agent out there that we'd like to see the team maybe pursue. Uh, let's start with, we kind of we kind of did this a little bit back when the list of free agents came out, but let's kind of update it now, now that we've had some guys uh, re-sign and, uh, and all that sort of good stuff, signing the NFL and stuff like that. Let's let's talk about some players on currently on the Ticats that will be free agents come Tuesday who we'd like to see back. We both made a list here, Mike, so let's start off with your list. Who's on your list and why? Okay, I got uh, I got five here, and um, first on my list, it's not in any particular order, but I got Riker Matthews, I think, to get him back would be a huge deal for the offensive line. He's he's a stud, uh, plain and simple. Uh, Jaguar Davis uh, for the defensive line, you know, 13 sacks, I think, last year. He's an impact player. Love to have him back. Frankie Williams, you know, we heard the – the news today that he had a workout with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, lots of players have workouts with NFL teams, and uh, a majority of them, you know, come back to the CFL. So we know what Frankie brings to the table. He's a great returner. He's a, a, a great defensive back guy. So uh, it would be lovely to have him back. Um, you know, this next one is a little bit questionable. Some fans might not see the value in bringing him back, but I'm a bit of a super fan. So Luke Tasker. Um, I would like to see him back. I think he has some gas left in the tank. I think he can be a value member of this team. And also I named my cat after him. And if he signs <laughs> with Yargos, I'll, you know, or any other team for that matter, I'll, I'll have to give my cat a dirty look every time I call his name. So for that reason, I want him back. And uh, Dylan Wynn, in the middle of that defensive line, he had a tremendous year. Um, just uh, a great player. And uh, I'd love to see him back paired up with Ted LaRon again. So you and I have three of the same five on here. Uh, Wynn, Davis, and Matthews. Uh, if you go back into the archives and listen to the 27, some shows in 2017, some or late summer, I think it was September when, when Matthews got in there, you, you heard me talk about this guy and how much I liked him. And obviously I was ecstatic when he played up to his capabilities and then came back last year and, and played tremendously. So, I don't really need to say much more about him. Uh, Davis and Wynn, obviously, to bring that entire defensive line back would be absolutely tremendous. Uh, whether it can happen or not, uh, we'll have to be uh, wait to be seen. Uh, but I don't really think there's much more to... Those those guys are kind of obvious. Riker Matthews, one of the best left tackles in the game. Jaguar Davis, one of the best pass rushers. And Dylan Wynn last year proved he's one of the best interior defensive linemen. Wanting to bring those guys back, I think, are kind of no-brainers. Uh, but I got two different guys. Uh, you had uh, Luke Tasker and Frankie Williams. And I have Richard Leonard and Nick Shortle. And with Leonard, it's... 
I thought he had a great bounce back year last year after a rough sophomore season. I think being able to bring back as much of that secondary as possible would be a boon to this team. I don't see it. There are some guys out there, and we'll talk about them in a second, some uh, field side halfbacks that the team, if they wanted to upgrade, could. But I think for this system, I really think Richard Leonard is a guy that they'd want to have back. And Nick Shortle's kind of an off-the-board pick. He's a guy who we saw last year when Simone Lawrence was suspended really come in and show that he can be a starter. I believe he led the team, if, if my memory serves me correctly, led the team in tackles in both of his games that he started in place of Lawrence. And he's a special teams dynamo. He's, he's a Mac guy. He, he went he went to the local university. Uh, there's the possibility that he could get some starting caliber money elsewhere, but we thought the same about Mike Daly, and he ended up coming back. And, and those Canadian veteran special teams players are kind of invaluable. They, they don't get a lot of publicity, but I think he's one of the better special team guys that, that the team has had. So it'd be really nice to kind of see him back. So while we have uh, we have a lot of crossover, you know, 60% of our lists are the same. We do, we do, we do differ in a couple of areas. So, uh, I mean, we'll have to wait and see if any of these guys come back, right? Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> I think if I had to rank them, I'd put, I really want Riker Matthews back. I, I, I think, think he'd be he, my number one target too. Yeah, he's just such a stud. And you know how infatuated I am with uh, offensive lines. So to have all of the, the guys back would be, um, you know, a tremendous for this team. So let's talk about guys that will be free agents that maybe the Ticats could pursue or maybe guys we'd like to see the Ticats pursue. Uh, but first and foremost, let's uh, let's talk about a player, a former Ticat that's a free agent right now, and Marcus Thigpen, a guy who, as soon as I saw that he was released by the Riders, all I could think about was, oh my God, the tweets we're going to get saying the Ticat should bring him back. And look, no one remembers the 2010 season quite like you and I do, Mike. And Marcus Thigpen was was a huge player then. I will never forget his performance in the 2011 Touchdown Atlantic game against the Calgary Stampeders where they started using him on offense as sort of like a hybrid running back slot back. And he absolutely torched the stamps on that day. The last time, the last time that the Ticats actually beat the Stampeders prior to the 2019 season. So look, there's, there's a lot of love in my heart for Marcus Thigpen, but it's 2020, not 2010 anymore. He's 34 years old. I'm sure he still has a lot of gas left in the tank, but can we just put a pin in the idea that the Ticats should bring him back? I, I don't see I don't see the, uh, the the real need for them to bring in a guy like Marcus Thigpen. He's not going to play running back. He's not going to play receiver. And if you're going to use him just on special teams, there's guys out there that you can find cheaper uh, American rookies that you can find to be returners. I, I don't really see a role for him here. What about you? Yeah, I don't see it either. You know, it's uh, like like you said. I'm sure that he can play still, but I just don't see a fit on this team. Um, we could get uh, shut up, Tasker. Annoying. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so I don't. I don't see them bringing him back. You know, you could you could find a returner many places. Uh, you know, a young guy that's that's faster at this point, who's a lot cheaper. So, um, you know, it's the same thing with Bakari Grant last year yep. or two years ago. Sorry. And uh, I, I like Bakari Grant, but it's just his time has passed. And he's just not a fit for this team. All right. So let's look then at players we would maybe like to see the Ticats go after. Maybe 
players we think they would need to go after. Mike, uh, you got a list. I got a list. Let, let's start with yours. Let's see who you got on yours that you'd like to see this Ticats team. Maybe, again, we, we have to preface this by saying we obviously know they're not going to sign all of these guys. That is impossible. But here are some names that maybe we wouldn't mind seeing Don sort of the black and gold in 2020 from other teams. Who do you got? Uh, well, I think, you know, losing a guy like Braylon Addison is a is a big hole in the Ticats receiving core. So, I wouldn't mind them see them. I know it may, it's a big money acquisition, but I I love this player. I, I think he'd be uh, great with the Ticats, Darrell Walker. Um, Ooh. So he she had a little bit of a down season with the Argonauts, but you know the can you blame him? It, there wasn't you know the tools around him, so um, I think he would be a great number two to to Brandon Banks. So I can't disagree with that i just wonder if i'm sure you saw the report that willie jefferson is likely to command somewhere close to three hundred thousand dollars a year and the the number used was darrell walker's contract with the argos and that is a hefty chunk of change and i can't imagine darrell walker's going to take much of a discount this year in free agency uh i don't dislike the idea of bringing in darrell walker because obviously he's a tremendous player but man that's a that that's a, that's a pretty big fish to try to land. Yeah, it, it is. It's true. It's a little bit, um, you know, it's a little bit far fetched. And there's a couple guys that are a little bit far fetched on this list, but it's my list, and I love. <laughs> All right, who <laughs> else you got? All right, well, here's another one: Willie Jefferson. If He's on lose. my view, dude. I mean, yeah. If Willie, if you're one of the, if you're a GM of the nine teams in this, in this league, how is Willie Jefferson not someone you've at least? They have this open tampering window that I think just close or will close on what? Uh, I think it's the ninth. Um, how are you not at least just going, hey man, wh- uh, what do, what do you want? Uh, and what do you want to play here? You know what I mean? Like he's such a beast. Like this guy's on everyone's free agency want list. Yeah, he is, and the you know the performance in the Grey Cup was uh, an example of how deadly he can be. You know, he's just he can get to the quarterback. He he knocks down many many balls at the line of scrimmage with his lengthy arms. Um, he's just a difference maker. And if we lose a guy like Jagarrod Davis, um, it doesn't really make sense because you're probably you're going to pay more for Jefferson than you are Davis. So if you don't sign Davis, then why would you pay Jefferson more? Um, but I just don't I, – I, the rumors out there that he might sign with the Argonauts, and um, I just don't want that to happen. So if we can <laughs> steal him away from the Argonauts, I'll be happy with that. So you mentioned, like, the Jagger Davis of it all, and that's sort of where, where I was thinking too. It's like if you're going to bring an American veteran pass rusher in and you're going to pay them big money, Jagger Davis may, is going to command less. And we know what Jagger Davis can do on this defense, 13 sacks, most in the East Division last year. I, 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 as much as I love Willie Jefferson, you're going to get Jagger Davis, let's say, let's say, let's just say for, for argument's sake, you're going to get Jagger Davis at $200,000 a year, which is a lot of money for an American defensive end. And Willie Jefferson wants almost 300000 That's $100,000. That's another player. That's a player and a half. That's, a, that's another rookie and a half really at the new minimum salary, or that's a, a solid veteran American player. Uh, so one of those middle tier guys, you know what I mean? Like that's, it's, it's all to me, it's all about cost versus production. And I feel like, well, Willie Jefferson is, I mean, he was the best defensive player in the CFL last year. He won the award for it. 
he, he it does deserve every penny he gets. I feel like you're if you strike out on Willie Jefferson, you can get Jagarrett Davis, who's just as good. And if I'm the Tie Cats and we've had Jagarrett Davis in house for this time, I don't know if the extra eighty, ninety to a hundred thousand dollars is really really worth it to make the switch there. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I'd, I'd rather them bring back Davis just because of the salary cap hit, but, um, you know, a guy can dream. Can't of course, he? So, oh, of course. All right, moving on, on your dream list. All right, so I got uh, with Mike Jones probably departing, um, and we have Brian Jones that's probably, you know, he wasn't a factor last year or anything, but he's another Canadian receiver that is probably moving on somewhere else. Um, I would like to bring in Nate Bahar. Oh, from Ottawa. Um, yeah, he's a young guy. I don't think he's lived up to his potential yet. Um, and he's Canadian. So uh, that could be a guy they could bring in to replace that, uh, you know, that fifth position, that Canadian spot in the receiving core. Are you worried that maybe, much like Shamad Chambers, he's never going to live up to the expectations that were set in him being a first-round pick? Well, that's always a possibility, but... Um, I've seen flashes, and I know that Shaman Chambers had flashes too, but I think if you get him for a decent price, um, he's worth the risk. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Who else we got? Um, with the secondary leaving, there's 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 some some DB guys that are out there. Um, I like what Patrick Levels did last year. I know he's not a big-name star, but I've seen him, you know, like Rod Black likes to say, he leveled him. Levels leveled him. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, he's laid some big hits, and I think he has a lot of potential. If we lose some guys in the secondary, then maybe we bring him in. I'm not ex- exactly sure what position he plays in the D- in the secondary, but uh, I like his game. I know last year he played some Sam linebacker, and I think he plays field side halfback. So he could be – maybe you move Rico Murray back to the secondary and put him at field side halfback, and you let Levels play the Sam position, or – and, and it, this is you, – you put levels back there as the replacement for Richard Leonard if they let Leonard walk and want to upgrade there. So that, that, I think that uh, levels is a, is a nice under-the-radar pick for you there, Mike. And my last pick is uh, thinking about the defensive line. If we if we lose a guy like Dylan Wynn in the middle, um, you know, he has a bit of a bad reputation around the league for some of the hits he's uh, had over the years. But Cleon Lang um, – I think he would be a good guy in the middle to pair up with Ted Durant, both Canadians. So I think he'd be a good addition to the Canadian depth. That's the big thing, too, with getting a guy like Lang, especially if the Ticats got him. You put him and Laurent beside each other. Two of your four starting defensive linemen are Canadian. That helps out massively with the ratio. The only concern there for me is, of course, money. Like, you, you're paying mm-hmm. you're paying Laurent. So, you know what I mean? That, that's what this all comes down to, too. And, it, and this is part of where, like, man, like, if we only knew – what cap space right. this team had, we could make this a little bit more uh, authoritative. But uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't dislike any of your picks, Mike. All right. Well, let's let's get on to yours, my friend. So I looked at what I did with this is I kind of looked and said, okay, let's let's say the Tie Cats have signed, re-signed everyone that they have, and they've everyone who's not signed to a contract for 2020, they're they're not coming back. They're out the door. What are the Tie Cats needs? And that's sort of where I, I sort of started looking at, okay, let's look at players where the Ticats could need guys here. I started with the offensive line. Let's say Riker Matthews moves on to greener pastures. Okay, so they're going to need a new left tackle. Let's look at the left tackle free agents. Derek Dennis would be an interesting guy to bring in. Now, I think 
do you upgrade from Riker Matthews to Derek Dennis? I don't think so. I think at worst, they're on par with each other. I think at best, Riker Matthews being younger has surpassed Derek Dennis as one of the league's premier left tackles. Derek Dennis is still a very, very good player, and I would not hate to see him in, in the black and gold. But again, I'm working on the assumption that these are the needs that Ty Katsuki are going to have. And I think that if you're going to lose Riker Matthews and you're going to fill his spot with a veteran American, there's no one else out there better than Derek Dennis. Yeah, I like that. Derek Dennis has uh, had a great career in the CFL. You know, he's a little bit of a drop-off in Saskatchewan. I don't know what what happened there. Um, but he came back to Calgary and restored his all-star caliber performance. So, yeah, I like that pick if we lose Riker Matthews. So, like you, I also looked at American receivers, and I also looked at the Toronto Argonauts, but... Whereas you went with Darrell Walker, I went with a guy who's a little bit older and a notorious Ty Cats killer. I looked at SJ Green and I figured, you know, Darrell Walker's going to command a pretty penny. They have Armonte Edwards, who's also a free agent. I mean, he wouldn't look too bad in black and gold either. And then I saw SJ Green there and it's like, man, how fun would it be even for one season to cheer for SJ Green making those ridiculous catches? I still think Green has a lot of gas left in the tank. He comes into a team. He's going to play with Brandon Banks. They got Jalen Acklin. They got Marcus Tucker. They're going to have Canadian receivers, which I'll get to in a second. Could you imagine adding SJ Green to this offense with, with Tommy Condell, who he is familiar with from their days together with the Argos, getting thrown to by Dane Evans and or Jeremiah Mazzoli? Could you imagine SJ Green going up for some of those those deep balls from getting thrown from those guys? Man, it's it it's beauty to, to, to see, just think about in my head right now. Yeah, he could be a definite threat in the red zone as well with the, the height he has and the ability to catch the ball. I saw him at the Grey Cup, actually. I took a picture with him and he was wearing black and uh, black and yellow when I oh. him. maybe that's a uh, maybe that's an indicator. And I asked him, "What's he going to be doing next year?" And he assertively uh, said, "I'm going to be playing football." So there's uh, there's not really a chance that he retires. He will be in the league uh, this upcoming season, and uh, I would not mind if he was with the Tiger Cats. Like like you said, he's been a you know he's done damage to the Tiger Cats over the years, and it'd be nice to see him on our squad for uh, for a change. So like you, I also looked at Canadian wide receivers, and I, I picked out a couple for here. I did not go with Nate Bahar. I am not as high on him as you are. But there is a Toronto-born receiver out in Calgary named Juwan Briskason, who is a free agent. He re-signed with Calgary last year. I think he would make a tremendous addition to this receiving core. could be more than just the token fifth Canadian receiver to start in the offense. I think he could really, really do some damage. And if you're looking for maybe to maybe not spend a ton of money and this, honestly, I will fully admit this, this is, this is twofold here. One is I know we can contribute on special teams. So that's always a valuable asset to have. And two, He's from the University of Toronto. I'm talking about Levi Noel. I would just love for a U of T grad to play for the Toronto Argonauts, and then I could I could cheer him on. And, and I, you know what? To be honest with you, if he was to sign with the Cats for the first time in like five years, I might buy a jersey just so I could be the one guy who has the Levi Noel jersey in, in the black and gold because he went to the same school that I did. So I'm looking at Canadian receivers. If you're looking for an impact guy, I think Juwan Briscase can be that guy. If you're looking for a, a depth guy who can also fill in on special teams, I'm looking at a guy like Levi Noel. Yeah, Levi Noel is an interesting pick because I think he's really young still. Um, but I like what I've seen when he's when he has limited playing time. He's been very productive, and I think he could be one of the, the potentially and eventually one of the best Canadian receivers in this league. I think he has that much um, that much talent. So um, and Breskison is is a great pick as well. So I, I'm digging both of those picks. 
IQ looked at the defensive line position. Uh, we already talked about Willie Jefferson, so I won't go into that. Uh, there is one other guy there that I I don't necessarily want to see him in Hamilton. However, he is two teams away from batting for the Kevin Glenn, and that's Sean Lemon. So even if he was just a sign here just to get to Jersey and then they cut him the next day, I'd be okay with that because I want to see this guy play for every – I want him to be the defensive version of, of Kevin Glenn. Um, but he's also a heck of a player, still has, I think, a, a little bit left in the tank. Uh, we know he's buddies with Simone Lawrence, so it would be fun to see those two guys, notorious chirpers, playing on the same team. I know this is not a pick that a lot of people out there, Ticats fans, will enjoy because I think that Sean Lemon has a bit of a reputation as not being uh, a very fan-friendly player when it comes to the Ticats. I think there's a lot of people out there who just don't like the way he plays the game. But I think he would be a tremendous if, – if the team is going to move on from Shakira Davis if, or if he's going to get better offers elsewhere – I mean, Sean Lemon's sitting right there. Why not Why not pick him up? Yeah, I think that you would get close to the same sack production as Shigeru Davis. Um, and I don't know this for a fact or anything, but I've heard people talk about it, how he's kind of – Sean Lemon is kind of one-dimensional. You know, he, he just gets sacks and he doesn't do much else. But, um, you know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they're wrong. Those I mean, Odell are, Willis made a Hall of Fame career to just doing that. Yeah, so there's nothing wrong with getting to the quarterback. So – um, if we lose guy a guy like Jagarrett Davis, um, you know he he could be uh, uh, a guy that you bring in and uh, you don't really miss a beat sack production wise. So linebacker is a position you didn't really talk about, but there's the possibility that Justin Tuggle was a one year uh, stopgap solution for the Ticats. So maybe they dip their toes into those waters, and I mean maybe they bring back Larry Dean, who's who's a free agent. And the one that intrigues me that I think might actually have a chance to come to fruition is Solomon Elamimian. I still think that he can play at a high level. And I think that after a down year in Saskatchewan with injuries doing him in, I think that he could come in at a, at a bit of a, a bargain rate. Uh, I'm fairly certain. I can't speak to this with definitive authority, but I believe that when he was making his decision on where to sign last year, after he was cut by the BC lions, it was down to Hamilton and Saskatchewan. And he chose the riders. Maybe this time, he chooses the Ticats. Could you imagine big number 56 patrolling the middle with Simone Lawrence and Rico Murray beside him? That'd be one hell of a linebacking trio. That would that would be quite the trio. And uh, Solomon Alamanian, you know, his track record speaks for itself. He's He's been, uh, you know, one of the best defensive players I've seen in my time watching the CFL. And, you know, he, he came off that injury last year and, you know, it wasn't the typical Alamanian year in Saskatchewan, but I still think he was he was a good player, a good linebacker when he got in there. So um, if we can get him for the right price, uh, that would be a great acquisition, I think. So last but not least, I also looked at defensive backs. And uh, also when you went with Patrick Levels in Montreal. I went with Siante Evans. Uh, he's a guy that was their starting field side halfback, which is where Richard Leonard played last year. If Richard Leonard goes elsewhere and the Ticats are looking for a veteran replacement, I don't think you can find much better than Siante Evans, who was one heck of a DB. So... Uh, again, all of these are kind of pipe dreams. We know that probably none of these guys that we talked about are going to actually sign with the Ticats. But if they're going to look at, at veteran defensive backs, they could do a heck of a lot worse than bringing in Siante Evans to replace Richard Leonard. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, I looked at him as well. Um, I went with levels. But if they brought in him, uh, you know, that would be that would be great for the d- defensive backfield. Uh, you know, of course, if we lose a guy like Richard Leonard, I think that would be a great um, substitution for him. All right. So we did this last year and I thought it was a lot of fun. I think people liked it. So we're going to do it again this year. I picked a handful of some of the bigger name players, Mike, 
And uh, let's play a little guessing game. Let's predict. And maybe we'll come back in a couple of weeks when all these guys have signed and actually uh, actually go back and see how many of these we got right. But let's let's predict where some of the big-name free agents are going to go. And let's start off with a guy that I hope ends up in black and gold. SJ Green, where do you think he's going to end up when this whole free agency thing winds up? SJ Green, eh? Um, you know, maybe a return back to Montreal. You know, he had a long time playing there. Um, the the Alouettes are coming up. You know, they, they've been had trouble with the cap recently. They released some players. And you could bring him in for, a, you know, a fairly decent price. And I think he'd pair up well with a quarterback like Vernon Adams. So I'm going to I'm gonna throw Montreal out there. What about the BC Lions? Think about it. They just got rid of Deron Carter. They're looking for sort of a, a sure-handed – I know they have Brian Burnham, uh, and I'm sure they have some younger guys whose names escape me that, that they like. But could you imagine him in an offense with Mike Riley, what he could do in those red zone situations? You got the two – probably the two greatest specialty catch guys in the CFL on one team. I think that could be a really interesting pairing. Yeah, that that could be good for them. You know, they they uh, they need to improve in quite a few areas, and uh, losing a guy uh, in the receiving core and bringing S.J. Green in would be probably a, a very good acquisition for them. I think Mike Riley and S.J. Green would connect very quickly. Cleon Lang, where do you think he ends up? Well, I, I said in my uh, wish list that. Uh, if Dylan Wynn leaves, and fingers crossed that he doesn't, um, I could see him coming into Hamilton. You know, the price tag might be a little bit too much, but uh, I think that bringing him in with him being a Canadian would be uh, a, a huge benefit to the Ticats. I think he ends up back in Toronto. I, I really do. I think – I know he had like a half a year. I think it was the year they won the Grey Cup, actually. He had like a half a year in Ottawa, but I don't know. I just – I see him heading back. I see him heading back and playing for the Argos once more. Darrell Walker, what do you think about him? Darrell Walker, that's an interesting one. Um, you know, maybe he'd be a good fit in Calgary. Um, uh, I mean, over the years, they've lost a lot of star receivers. Um, you know, they lost a guy to the NFL this year. Um, what the hell is his oh, name? Uh, Reggie Bagleton. Yes, Bagleton. He was a tremendous receiver, tremendous talent. I think he's going to – he might stick in the NFL. I think he's that good. But um, I think if you bring him into Calgary, he would be a great fit with Bo Levi Mitchell. I can't disagree with that. That would be – man, Darrell Walker Even though, Eric you Rogers, know, Yeah, that would be dangerous. And, you know, the, the St. Peters aren't usually a team that goes out big in free agency. But, you know, maybe they make an exception and go for him this year. I get the feeling that he too ends up back where he was. I think I think he stays. I think the Argos. I think of all their potential free agents, he's the one guy that I think they can least let get away because he's still young. He's he's very talented. If they think that they're going to be better offensively, I mean, how do you not stick with with a guy like like number eighty seven there, Drill Walker? Uh, let's talk about some tie cats, Mike. This this might hurt a little bit. Jagarit Davis, where do you think he ends up? I'm going to say the Tiger Cats make a big push and they uh, they re-sign him. Um, <clears throat> I think the production that he brings to the team is just too high to let him go. And uh, if you do let him go, who do you replace him with? Um, you know, if you're not willing to pay Jared Davis top-end money, then you're probably not willing to pay Willie, Willie Jefferson even more money. So 
I think the Ticats are going to make a push for him. I think the Ticats will make a decision that they need one or one one of one of Gary Davis or Dylan Wynn. And I think that the Ticats get outbid for Davis's services. And I think he heads to the nation's capital and goes to the Ottawa Red Blacks and terrorizes the Hamilton Tiger Cats next year. I just feel like Ottawa needs so much that if they can get a a building block piece like Jagarit Davis in their in their locker room, I think that can go a long way to getting them from last place into the playoffs. So I, I think the I think the Red Blacks make make the bigger push and just offer a, a wee bit more money to get Jagarit Davis in a Red Blacks uniform. Riker Matthews, Mike, where does he end up? I gotta say the Ty Cats. Um, if he doesn't, you know, I haven't heard anything about him getting looks in the NFL again. Um, you know, we know he went down to the Patriots for a little bit, got released. Maybe he gets another look in the NFL, but if not, just like Davis, um, I just, I just think he'd be a huge loss. So I think the Ty Cats make a push for him. I think he ends up back in Hamilton. I know we hear it all the time from players where they say this is where they want to be, but. Riker Matthews got cut by the New England Patriots last year and apparently almost immediately made a phone call to Sean Burke and said, uh, what, what, do you, what do you got? I want to come back. I, I don't see any way that they let this guy walk out the door. He is on the verge of being one of the, if not the, best left tackles in the CFL. And you just you just don't let guys like that leave. You you find a way to keep those guys in-house. And I think the Ticats will find a way to keep him in the hammer. Luke Tasker, Mike, where is he going to end up? Uh, unfortunately, I think he ends up with either the Argonauts or the Red Blacks. Um, I'm going to say the Argonauts. Unfortunately, it just it kills me to say it, but uh, I think it just makes sense for him if he's not going to be back with the Tie Cats to move down the the QEW, uh, you know, 30, 45 minutes and um, join the Argonauts. So what's funny is I too sat here and said. It's down for me between Ottawa and Toronto, but I went the other way. I have him heading to the nation's capital and playing for the Red Blacks. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? It, it, I think the T.O. pick might make more sense because I know he still lives in Buffalo during the season, so he just drives to work. It's like an hour, hour and 20-minute commute or whatever to get from Buffalo to Hamilton every morning. So maybe staying in Toronto would allow him to continue to do that. Um but I feel like Ottawa needs more help. It's odd to say that because I think they only won one fewer game than the Argos did. But I feel like like the Red Blacks need a little bit more and might be willing to offer a little bit more to lure Luke Tasker there. Uh, Dylan Wynn, Mike, where does he end up? Dylan Wynn, you know, it's like you said, I think that uh, it's either Davis or Wynn, and I'm leaning towards them signing Davis because I think that they just – um, they have big Teddy in the middle, and they can pair him up with someone. And whoever gets paired up with Ted Ron is going to benefit um, from that. So I'm going to say he goes. He's he's familiar with the Argonauts organization. You know, I don't know how, if he left that team on bad terms, um, but there's a whole new staff in there. It's a whole new organization. I think he might end up with the Argonauts. So. I said when we were talking about Jagarit Davis that I think the team will have the decision to make between one of these two guys. I think Dylan Wynn comes cheaper than Jagarit Davis does. I think interior American defensive tackles don't require the amount of capital spent on them that elite pass rushers do. So I think the Ticats find a way to keep big number 98 
in the black and gold for at least one more year. And God, I, I, I hope so too, because his family listens to the show and his dad's a really nice dude to talk to. So I really kind of hope that they end up staying here. Cause I, I would hate to lose that connection with the Wynn family. Yeah, I would as well. I really want Dylan Wynn back. You know, I see John, I, I believe John Wynn is his yeah. father. Yeah. He interacts with us all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He likes some of my tweets and talks to us and, it's just it's just a nice thing. So you know, the family connection with the Podsky Wee Wee, and just the fact that Dylan Wynn is a tremendous player on the field, um, would you know the two reasons why I'd want to see him back. Yeah, we're not gonna lie. We're we're homers and we're biased here. We want him back. Like I'm not yeah, gonna we say do. we don't. That's ridiculous. And the the, the celebration dance. I mean, absolutely, than Selly King baby. Yeah, we got to see that for next season. So Absolutely. If you're listening, Dylan, you know. Come on. Come back come home. On. Come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. Uh, okay. Enough with the Ticats. Enough crushing our souls by thinking of where some of our beloveds will go. Let's move on to some other teams here. Willie Jefferson, Mike, you mentioned that uh, the rumors are he could be headed to the Argos. We talked about how much money he could command on the free agency market. Ultimately, where do you think the reigning most outstanding defensive player will be headed for the 2020 season? Well, there's, uh, you know, from the reports out there, there's about five teams that are interested. Um, you Which know, is four teams make... too little. Yeah, I know, right? It's uh, maybe they're just, that other four teams are just that's just out of their price range. But uh, I think he's worth the high salary, and I think the Argonauts shell out the money to get him. You know, the, the rumor is that uh, they might let Darrell Walker walk. Um, and then they would have the cap space to bring in a guy like Willie Jefferson. So I think the Argonauts need to make um, some of these big free agent signings just to create buzz around the team and to make their team better. So I'm going to say, I know I'm saying the Argonauts quite a bit in this uh, free agent prediction, but I think that he ends up with them. Well, and the Argos are a team that isn't spending top dollar on a quarterback, which will allow them to bring in... Like, they're not even spending mid-tier money. They're not spending, like, Mazzoli, Fajardo, Arbuckle money. They're spending significantly less, and they and they still will probably spend significantly less even if they sign Matt Nichols. So they have more cap space to play with. And, like, Darrell Walker was their, was their big money tick, money item last year, and he's a free agent. So if I still think he's going to end up back there. But if they decide to move on from him, that frees up some money as well. I, too, this is the first time we've agreed here. Oh, no, second time. We both had Riker Matthews staying in the hammer. Uh, I agree with you, Mike. I think he's going to the Toronto Argonauts. I think they're going to do whatever they can to to give him whatever he wants, and I think he ends up signing there. And, uh, I mean, I hope he has a terrible season, <laughs> quite frankly, yeah. playing for the Argos. I uh, hope he's fully healthy. Don't get me wrong, but I hope he uh, he just doesn't perform up to, up to snuff and uh, the Argos uh, suck once again. Solomon Elamimi and Mike, where do you got him headed in free agency? Uh, I'm going to go with you. Um, I know that you don't necessarily think this is going to happen, but you wanted it to happen. Maybe he ends up with, with the Tiger Cats. I, you know, you threw it out there, and now I'm thinking about that trio, and it's kind of making me salivate a bit. Even though he's getting up there in age, he uh, he's still a very productive linebacker. So the money might not be there, but uh, he might not be commanding that much anymore. So maybe maybe he ends up with the Tiger Cats. I think he does end up with the Tiger Cats. I think if they're going to dip their toes into free agents outside of the team, I think there's no better place to to bring in a veteran than to add one at the middle linebacking position. I liked what Justin Tuggle – I know there's some fans that weren't huge fans of Justin Tuggle, but I I liked the way he played last year. But there's no denying that 
at least for one year, maybe maybe you find some some young. I know they have Chris Frey as as a guy who's coming off a, an ACL injury, I believe that they really like that could be a starter there in the future. But I think he needs some more time to recover from his injury. You bring in a guy like Solomon Elamimian into that linebacking room and to, to get him with some of those young American players and to coach them up and to, to show them how to be professionals, I think that's worth its weight in gold. I think he ends up signing with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and uh, that would be a very, very fun and very hard-hitting linebacking group if that was to be the case. Micah Johnson, one of the big free agent signings last year, went to Saskatchewan, kind of underperformed after some good years in Calgary. Mike, where do you think he ends up? I'm going to say the in uh, with the Red Blocks. Um, I think there needs to be much improvement throughout that whole team, and bringing the guy in like Micah Johnson in the middle of that defensive line could be a big benefit to the Red Blocks. I, I like that pick. I think he ends up with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think you... You lose Willie Jefferson. You got to get someone in there who can get after the quarterback, even if it's from the interior line position. You're going to pay a pretty penny to get him, but with taking Jefferson's contract off the books, I think that they, when Jefferson leaves to go to Toronto for more money than the Bombers are willing to spend, I think they take that cap allocation and they slide it to Micah Johnson. They get him in to be a terrorizer in the middle of their defensive line. Derek Dennis, outside of Riker Matthews, probably the best offensive lineman available this year where do you think he ends up mike uh well i'm pretty sure he's not gonna end up in calgary by uh from all the sounds of it no from the things he's tweeting i don't think so yeah so it's a it's a tough one i'm trying to think maybe the bc lions um i'm not sure who they have at that position right now but um the way that mike riley got sacked last year and the pressure that was put on him um, I know they improved once they changed their offensive line coach, but uh, to bring in a guy like Derek Dennis, um, I think would be a big addition for them, you know, just to protect Mike Riley. I don't know who the BC Lions have at left tackle either, and I think that that says all you need to know. But why I also think the BC Lions will go out and sign Derek Dennis to be the blindside protector for Mike Riley. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think that the Lions offensive line improved after they replaced uh, Brian Q as the offensive line coach. But if you can go out and get a guy like Derek Dennis to kind of anchor your offensive line, I, I think you do it. And I, I don't think BC, whoever they have again, I mean, we should probably know who it is because we're kind of, we're, we're the more, we're more hardcore fans than most, but uh, I, I'm not sure who it is. And I think that that says all you need to know about why I think Derek Dennis should be in a BC Lions uniform. All right. We're getting to the end here, Mike, Larry Dean, Late of the Edmonton Eskimos, where do you think he ends up for 2020? Uh, maybe the um, Stampeders go after him. Um, I think they have who was a bit. Was it Greenwood? What position? Yeah, did they he had play? Corey Greenwood last yeah. year, who replaced Alex Singleton. Right. So they had Greenwood. He did a tremendous job. He was, and he is a pending free agent. Right. So. Um, and he's a Canadian. Yep. So if you could, uh, I'm sure they'd want to bring him back, but there's a question mark with the injuries with him. Um, and you could probably bring in a guy like like him cheaper, um, being an American, um, you know, and, and a very productive guy, Larry Dean, obviously. So maybe they replace Greenwood with uh, Larry Dean, and you wouldn't there wouldn't be much of a drop-off at all, and you wouldn't really – I mean, there's always the worry 
about injuries, but uh, Greenwood has a history of it, and you wouldn't have to worry about it as much with Larry Dean. I actually really like that pick, even though I that's not where I think he's going to go. I really like your reasoning for it. Uh, got a couple guys going to Calgary, which is goes against their norm. But of course, this was the first season Calgary didn't make it to the West Final in how many years? So maybe they need to to divert from the path that they've always been on. I, I think he stays in Edmonton. I think uh, I, I think he fits there. I know Philip Lawley was the defensive coordinator that he loved isn't there anymore, but I, I still see no reason why Edmonton wouldn't try their best to bring him back. And I think he sticks there for the 2020 season. All right. Last one, Mike, Sean Lemon. I said, I, I would like to see him come to Hamilton or, and, and, you know, Montreal, if the case may be to sort of start the process of completing the nine teams. But where do you think he ends up? I'm going to say Montreal. Um, I don't know the status of um, their defensive ends. Now they got John um, Bowman. I know John Bowman has been, you know, a, a Hall of Fame player for the years that he's been there. Uh, I don't, not sure if he's coming back this think, year or not. Said, I think he said he's coming back for one more year. Okay, so maybe, you know, you pair him up with Sean Lemon, and I think that could be, uh, you know, maybe they play the same side, but it, you know, maybe they could switch it up and, and change it around. Um, and if you had, if you pair those two guys up, you know, John Bowman's still a productive guy, even though at his advanced age for for football. Um, if you have those two guys on opposite sides, that's uh, that's pretty dangerous. That is pretty dangerous. Uh, I'm I'm going lame here. I think he's going back to Toronto. He's gone from BC to Toronto to BC to Toronto to be like it feels like he goes to the Argos, plays there for about a year, maybe half a year, then they. Trade him over to BC. Then he becomes a free agent. He signs back with the Argos. Plays about half a season there. They trade him back to BC. You know what? Until that doesn't happen, that's what I'm going to predict to happen. So I think Sean Lemon ends up with the Toronto Argonauts. So, Mike, that is it. I've got our, our picks here written down. And we will come back uh, maybe when um, – I, I mean, these are some of the bigger name guys. So I think most of them will sign fairly early on. So maybe the next time we get a chance to sit down and record, we'll be able to go back over these – these are less. These are less predict. I mean, they're predictions, but it's more like fun, educated guesses of where mm-hmm. we might see some guys end up. It'll be interesting to see how many of them we got right. It'll be interesting to see what guys we wanted the Tie Cats to bring back that stay, where else they go, who they bring in. I mean, it feels like just yesterday we were sitting here lamenting a Grey Cup defeat, and here we are on the precipice of the start of free agency. And that leads us right into sort of draft season. And then that leads us right into the season. And I know I say it every year around this time, but man, this season's going to be here in no time. And I don't know. I can't wait for it. Yeah. Same here. I'm, I'm very excited about this upcoming season. I think the, you know, the quarterback play is in place for all these teams. Um, mostly, uh, I think it's going to be a, a fun year of CFL football. Baseball is just around the corners, so that means football is just around the corner as well. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for some warm weather and uh, to watch some uh, three-down football. And we get the XFL to kind of whet our appetites and cure our boredom exactly. for the rest of the summer. <laughs> or the rest yeah. of the winter, I mean. Yeah. And maybe you see some potential future CFL guys in, in the XFL. So Indeed. You never it, know. It, It'll be fun to it's watch. It's going to be fun. It it's will be, be fun. fun. All right. So that was Podsky for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.